The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Dear pornography, what beautiful photography, you've twisted psychology, you once befriended me, you told me I could call you porn for short, you lulled me to sleep like a mother rocks a baby, injected my soul and put me under a spiritual anesthesia, amnesia, but somehow it was so deceiving, I thought help I was receiving. You offered me power, but then you became my master. Sin never looked so good as I was led to slaughter. Like you got someone's daughter and destroyed her innocence for a generation of malcontents. Yeah, you dress things up real nice, but no matter what you say, you are wrecking women in abusive slavery as you deceive them into false glory. You're in the corner store, on the web, and TV. You're even in the church. You had once a place in me, and it's escaping me, breaking me, to think that I gave you time and dime for this crime against humanity for lying vanity. You were my security. I couldn't let you go. I couldn't let you down. I was afraid of losing you. Oh, the irony of Stockholm Syndrome, filling at home with a blood-sucking vulture. You got women to measure by you their value, so now they can be sold to the highest bidder. No one considers them being raped, abused, damaged, but airbrush and surgery create for them a false advantage, causing the pain to not just go away. It's not reality. It's just a play for crappy pay. Porn, you even got men forsaking their legacy, thinking their strength is sexuality. So the sons, brothers, husbands, and fathers just start wrecking destinies as they're slaves to these destinies, as they're slaves to these fantasies. I know the story all the while. See, I gave you an inch and you took a mile. You've tainted the culture, destroyed marriages, caused children to be less fatherless. I gave you my youth and you gave me guilt, shame, and death. You took away my breath. But at death's door, I was awakened by the hand of a heart beating, bleeding love. You see, porn, I'm actually writing to inform you that I found the exit, or rather the exit found me. Christ is the exodus from pain to porn to purity. Jesus is the way out. Some say a crutch. I found him to be a strong tower. He surrounded me and founded me. You see, you have been replaced, porn, by the resurrected life. The way you led and I died was eye candy laced with cyanide. See, the gospel isn't just some band-aid job on a soul that's hemorrhaging from immorality. My neural pathways were retraced, my rejection replaced. So pornography, you are not so dear to me. And though you make money by the billions and get clicked on by the hundreds of millions, I will tell my story of redemption because I can hear the sound of the masses marching to the master making the exit, signed in sincerity, this your dear enemy, a sinner 
made saints. I was probably about six years old. Uh, I was at a relative's house and uh, found some magazines laying around in a room that uh, no one knew was there. This kid brought them out. Look what I found. Of course, the parents weren't very amused about that. But, you know, when you're a young boy and you see those images for the first time, uh, you know, I wanted to see more. And so on subsequent visits to the house, uh, I figured if I looked hard enough, I could probably find more around the house, and I did. Uh, and it didn't take long at all for me to be hooked to where every time I went over, I had to look at it. I knew it was wrong. I knew I had a problem. But there was also the part of me that culture said, no, this is all right, this is normal. When I'd talk to other guys who I was in school with, they all had Playboys in the backs of their cars. Heck, sometimes when we'd be driving places, the guys in the back seat would have them up and reading them as if they were reading, right? So everyone else when I talk about, yeah, I'm trying to get away from it, they looked at me like I was a total weirdo. I might as well have been from Mars. Uh, why wouldn't you look at this? What's wrong with you? What really began to turn it for me was once a, my son actually discovered some of my viewing history in my iPod. And I remember him for the first time seeing he didn't see the actual full thing but he saw the preview and he started reading it and it terrified me of course I grabbed it from him and I was like now I'm bringing this stuff into my house now I'm poisoning my family and that's not okay because he is the age that I got hooked on this stuff the only difference between me and a junkie is our drug that's it this is me using just like anyone else uses I began to realize that my whole life I've absolutely hated and I've absolutely condemned people who had any kind of dependence on anything, um, especially in the areas that I had dependence in on pornography and lust. I was so harsh, I was so judgmental, um, and I came to realize I, what I hated about others was what I saw in myself. And walking through the steps and realizing that all the while I was using porn to medicate pain and that I didn't have to do that. I could find healing and deliverance from pain by walking through it, acknowledging it, looking it head on, and taking the power that I'd given it over me. Um, and that's where I found true healing, true delivery. It's been four years now. I haven't looked at porn. Uh, it's still a challenge. I still acknowledge every Friday night that it's an issue for me uh, just because I don't want to think that, well, I've got it beat because the last time I thought I had it beat, I didn't at all. I've got a lot of victory over it right now. God's been really good to me. I've got a great support structure in place of friends I can call. Um, another huge thing for me is um, I love, these are on my keyring. They're my CR chips that remind me of how far I've come and they're there. Every time I'm opening the door or turning on my car, I tell you, it's tough in this culture. I can't even get on a news site without there being one, two clicks away from stuff that none of us have any business looking at. Um, so I'm just really glad to have found some healing in it. And, uh, and I hope through this series some other guys can too. Good morning. 
How you guys doing? Good, good. I'm Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at ACF Church, and I'm excited that you're here today. Um, we are in a series called Sex Lies, and we are hitting this topic of sexuality and the church and Christianity head on. Um, you guys see that we have a bed on the stage, and um, the bed kind of brings up a lot of different feelings and emotions for people. Um, we hit this pretty hard to start off today, and so just take a breath, relax. Um, we're going to have a conversation. And I think it's a very important conversation. Um, the bed brings up all kinds of emotions and all kinds of feelings, um, many memories. Maybe you have feelings of, of mistakes that you've made. Maybe the bed brings up feelings of excitement, anticipation. Um, I don't know what your thought is today when you see the bed on the stage in a church, if that kind of throws you off. But we feel like the church is a great place to talk about sex and sexuality. And uh, there's not many places for us to have a public conversation about this stuff. But we feel like uh, the best two places are in your home and in the church. Church. And so we're going to have that talk today. I'm really glad that you guys are here. Um, last week, I just want to celebrate. We think that we had about 17 people commit their lives to Christ last week. So let's give them a hand for that. It's awesome. Just amazing stuff going on. I love it. Um, God, is, God is at work here in Eagle River. He's at work in our church. And I just am honored to be able to be a part of this with you guys. I'm a whole month into leading at this church. Um, it's been a crazy transition for me. I was leading worship. If, you, if you're fairly new, you haven't seen that before. Now Mason's been leading with a band. And they just do a good job. I love it. Um, were, you, were you nervous? You're like, I don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, things are changing. Um, they are doing so good. And I'm just, I just love sitting in the back and just worshiping, getting to sing. It's been 11 years that I've been leading worship at churches. And so to not do this on Sunday morning is weird for me. Um, I thought I'd need to preach with a guitar on me just to make me feel comfortable. But I'm okay. I'm getting used to this whole thing. Um, so this week, what we're talking about is what your culture told you in the Sex Lies series. Our launching passage has been Romans 1, 22. It says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So they traded God's truth for a lie. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so this whole series is about what are the lies that we believe? If you were believing a lie, wouldn't you want to know that? Wouldn't you want to clarify and adjust your thinking towards the truth? And that's our, that's our goal in this series is to have a truthful, honest look at human sexuality and to have a good, honest conversation as a family about this. And then for you guys to go home and have some good discussions about it also. But this passage is saying that over the years, generation after generation, as, as people have walked into idolatry, what's that, what that has resulted in is a false view of God and a false view of their sexuality. Generations have gone by. People have done all kinds of crazy, horrible things in the name of their God, uh, whatever that God may be, instead of the one true God, which, which should create a healthy sexuality. For many people, it doesn't. So to kind of open up this talk today, we're going to talk about your mind. Um, and our minds are amazing things. It's, it's crazy, crazy. I don't know if you have a, a, a good creativity or a good imagination. I'm kind of an imaginative person. I can uh, imagine a lot of different things. And, um, but it's funny, things will spark our, our imaginations. They will spark our minds to think thoughts to bring us to different places. 
Um, you guys know if you ever smell the smell and it takes you back to a, a pizza place that you went to as a kid, you know, or you hear a certain sound or see a certain picture, it can take you somewhere, right? It can kind of adjust your thoughts and all of a sudden you are in a different place. And so just to kind of start this off, we're going to play a little name that tune, okay? So um, if you know this song, we're going to have you shout it out in a second. So start that first song, Dwayne. Ah, oh, look at you guys. Second service is going to be way worse. All right, that's good. Okay, so wouldn't it be nice by the Beach Boys? That's right. So this song takes me to my childhood. Uh, it's immediately when I hear the song, I'm in, in Maine riding with my uncle in his big old sedan down the road. He's the only guy I knew that would only listen to Beach Boys all the time. And so I just have this memory with my uncle, listening to Beach Boys, riding down the road. It's just as soon as I hear Beach Boys, I'm in that car. I'm with him. Next song, real quick. This one's going to take a second to load up here. Wait for it. You're going to like it. I swear to you. It's going to hit you good. Here we go. That's right. Yeah, all right, all right, that's good. All right, this is how we do it by Montel Jordan, that's right. I am in my brother's 1996 Dodge Neon with the two 15-inch kicker subs in the back. Come on, who had the subs? Come on, who had the subs? Be honest about it. What happened to that? I don't see that very much anymore. Things have changed. We had the kicking system. It was like a back massage. I loved it in his car. But we were in North Dakota cruising down the street, going to the base pool, listening to that song. Immediate memory. It's just crazy. Here's the next one. Yeah. Come on now. Oh, Bryce. Come on. No, got to give it a second. Let's take a moment. There it is. There it is. The penny flute. Okay, that's good. That's good. My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. That is a classic. Come on, you guys are tearing up already. It's just, what is it's the power of music? I just, this was like my first real date. I took a girl to Titanic and it was awesome. And then there was that scene in the middle that made it really weird and really awkward. <laughs> I'm like, why did they throw that in there? It's really uncomfortable. My Heart Will Go On. One more, one more. Yep, come on. Okay, let's start. There you go. All right, all right. You kill that. Okay, so that is Good Riddance by Green Day. It's like everybody's graduation song for the past 15 years, right? <laughs> Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Yeah. So Green Day, love that. Takes me to like every graduation party I've been to for the past 10 years. It's funny, our imaginations are powerful things. When you hear those songs, they take you to a different place, a different time. You know, when you smell things, when I smell uh, like the smell of a pipe, not the pipe that you're all thinking of right now, but <laughs> grandpa pipe, when I... When I smell my grandpa's pipe, I'm in upstate New York at a baseball game with my brother. It's just crazy how these things can take us. We, we can honor God and we can dishonor God with our imaginations. It's a powerful, powerful tool. So the question is, what happens when your imagination is coupled with your sexuality? 
what happens when your imagination is coupled with your sexuality. This is where pornography comes from. It comes from our imaginations being coupled with our sexuality. It's this desire to have this imaginary sexual experience without actually having to do anything. It's all payoff. You never had to get to know her. You never had to do anything with her or him. You never had to deal with their stanky breath in the morning. They're just, they're an image on a screen. And you know what? They never say no. They never say no. And that's the thing. We've dealt with, you guys, there's a lot of pain in this room. There are a lot of um, situations that you've gone to, gone through where maybe you've been discarded or shut down. And so you've been through hard things. And when we go through hard things, we tend to try to search out easier things to get our fix, to get that feeling of, of fulfillment, that somebody cares for us and loves us. And so we search for it in things like this. And we imagine what it would be like to be cared for by somebody. And so it's this, it's like, it's like as a guy, you get to feel like a man without actually having to be one. That's what porn does for us. And if our sexuality is this desire to reconnect two things, man and woman, different sexes created differently, beautifully by God, sexuality is the desire to reconnect those things, then pornography is simply an illusion. It's just a game you're playing in your mind. You're not actually connecting with anyone. It just feels like it in the morning, in, in, in the moment. So here are a few stats for you. I just, this is just huge stuff. Um, to get real with you. 40 million people using porn on the internet right now. Five out of every 10 men in the church are struggling with porn. So all of you over here, men, um, half the church, sorry, I picked your side. You're like, like over here. Half of the men in the church are struggling with pornography. That's the real deal. Three out of every 10 women are struggling with pornography. And so like about this much of you women are struggling with pornography right now. So not just a man's problem anymore. 25% of all search engine requests are pornography related on the internet today. Um, This is the one that always blows me away. U.S. porn revenue exceeds the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, NBC. Porn revenue is larger than all the combined revenues of professional football, baseball, and basketball franchises. Huge industry. Tons of money floating around in naked people on the internet or in magazines or movies or whatever it may be. So this is huge. This is a huge issue, and, and some of you are really uncomfortable right now, and I get that. So just stay with me. Relax. Um, we're going to get through this, but it's a huge deal. The question is, what's the big deal with pornography? So what's the big deal with porn? There's two questions that I think every human being should ask themselves when you're trying to figure out what I should do with my life. What kind of decisions should I make? The first question is, is what I'm doing making my life better? Is it helping me? Is it actually making my life better? The second question is, is what I'm doing making other people's lives better? And these are important questions. Is it making my life better? Is it making other people's lives better? You don't have to believe in Jesus to ask those questions. Those are just general human questions to have a life that's more than just what's allowed. Because I don't want to do just what's allowed. I have a better vision for my life than just to do what's allowed. And not everything that's allowed or legalized is going to be good for you. Right, church? So you need to decide what's good for you based on what God says and based on what you think is going to help you and help others. That's how we decide what we participate in as people. Ask the right question. The the question, is it allowed? That's where legalism comes from. Is it allowed? That's a, that's a bad, weak vision for our lives. When I'm like, hey, it's allowed, so I'm going to do it, that's a shallow vision. I want more for my life than what the state says is allowed. 
I want to do better things. I want a better vision. I want a better purpose in my life. And then is it helping other people? Is it helping me? Is it helping others? Is this in any way making somebody else's life better? These are the two questions we should ask. And so we're going to pray. And we're going to talk more about this. So pray with me, would you? Jesus, we, uh, we need you today. And Father, I just, there's such a weight in this conversation. As we've read the statistics, we see that this is a big issue. And it's, and it's hurting us, God. And so would you just help me to communicate clearly? Um, God, would there be a sense of grace and peace in this place as we talk? Uh, would you ease the hearts of people in this room as we have this conversation? And allow us just to hear your voice, to hear you speak be changed by your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can follow along in your inserts. We gave those to you at the door. You can also download the ACF Church app. We've got that online um, on the iPhone and Android. And uh, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. We're going start, to start starting to put some of the scriptures on the screen for you so you can follow along there too if you're kind of slow and flipping around. But there are two people in the room today. There are two kinds of people as we talk about this. And this has been the tension for me preparing because as we open this delicate conversation about not only sexuality, but about pornography, there are people in this space today that would say, I don't think it's a problem. Uh, maybe I should quit, but I'm not too worried about it. Um, it's not something that's hurting me or other people. Um, it's, just, it's just something I do uh, behind closed doors, and it's not a problem. And then there are other people in the room today that you just want freedom if you could have it, you just want freedom. If, if today God could shoot down some power on you in this place and you could walk out of these doors and never struggle with your sexuality again, you would be the most excited, grateful person on earth. You just want some freedom. And so I have to, this is my challenge today, I have to speak to both of you. Um, I have to carry the weight of our sexuality and, and try to communicate that as well as communicate that Jesus loves you. He really does. And there's so much more for you. We're going to open to Matthew 5, and it's going to get real as Jesus talks about our sexuality here and about our eyes and what we should do with this topic. Matthew 5, 27, if you want to find that, the New Testament there, first book of the New Testament. Matthew 5, 27 says, You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Bam. That's pretty heavy. That is pretty heavy. So Jesus starts off by talking about adultery. He's saying, you've heard it said, the law has been don't commit adultery. He's like, I'm behind that. He's not throwing that out. Still don't commit adultery. That's, a, that's not something you should do. And the, the law was that if you would commit adultery, that you and the person that you committed adultery with would both be put to death. That's pretty high. That's a pretty high bar. And, uh, and so that was the law. He said, you heard it said this. Maybe there's people in this room and you've been a victim of this. Maybe when I talk about adultery, you've, you, just, you just think of pain. You think of something you went through. You think of something your parents participate in, something that, that has hurt you. Or maybe you already think about something that you've done. Either you have done it, or you are going to do it, or you're in the middle of it. One or the other. Adultery has probably hurt and impacted all of us in here in some way or another. 
Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus has this way of looking at the law and he goes, but I say to you, and he takes what was really the low bar for humanity, which was don't commit adultery, and he sets it up a little higher. And he, and, and he helps you realize your inability to meet this perfect standard that God has set before you. And he says, I say to you, if you just look at a woman with lustful intent in your heart, you've already done it in your heart. Some of you have had physical affairs. Others of you, you just do it in your mind. Maybe you're spending a little extra time with that woman or man at work who makes you feel better about yourself. Maybe they, they see the best of you. They say you do, see you doing well at your job. They see you with all your shirt tucked in and your pants all pressed and you're doing really good. They see the best of you. And so you spend time with them because they're always stroking your ego and they're just trying to get ahead in their job, but they're, they're helping you feel better. And so you spend a little time with them and you've begun to commit adultery in your mind. You started giving your heart to this person. He talks about lustful intent. And we're going to get to lust in a matter, in, in, a, in a minute here. Then he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. That's, that's pretty brutal, Jesus. And just chuck it, just gouge my eyeball out. Like, that's, that sounds pretty horrible and gross. Why would you say that? Jesus is drawing this stark contrast between temporary pain and eternal pain. He's saying, it would be better for you to go without an eyeball and walk around this world crippled than it would be to spend eternally, eternity separated from me. He's, he's drawing this parallel. And I always, I always laugh when people are like, uh, just read the Bible for what it says, you know. I, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, you know. Well, then you would be blind if, if that's what you think. The whole church would be blind, you know. Jesus is making a point here. And, and it, it can't be literal because if you think about it, if you tore out your right eye, then your left eye could still cause you to lust. And if you tore, tore out both eyes, I know I have a pretty good imagination. And so I could imagine some stuff without any eyeballs and uh, come up with some pretty horrible things. And so Jesus is just saying, think about eternity. Think about life with me and compare that to temporary pain. This life goes like this. That's how quick your choices go. They just, they go fast. And so it would be better to be crippled than, than to be spending eternity separated from me. He talks about two things here, lust. And I want to I talk about two things, lust and desire. Because these are, these are two terms, lust and desire, that we need to understand to, to unpack this today. Because desire is something we're all given. You've all been given this sexual desire. You've all been given natural desires. You desire lunch. It's good. You should desire lunch. You should desire food. That's okay. Maybe you desire to have a a family. Maybe you desire to have a a good marriage. Maybe you desire to have a deep desire and need to to serve God and God only. Is that a good thing? Yes. Yes, it is. That's a good thing. Desires can be good. James 1.14 says this, though. It says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So you didn't know this, but your desires are sleeping around a little bit, and they're getting pregnant. 
You didn't know this. You have like trampy desires that are like, like work in the street corners in your life. They're looking to get knocked up, you know? And so you have these desires that all of a sudden get pregnant. And you're like, did I have pregnant desire? What does that mean? He's saying desires, they conceive and they give birth. It's like your desires are these living things that you're having to kind of manage in your life. These little minions running around in your head. You have these desires. And at some point, some of them get out, you know, and they get pregnant. And then they give birth to sin. Desire needs to be controlled. It needs to be directed. And you know what somebody's called when they have uncontrolled desire? You know what they're called? They're called discontent. Unfulfilled. Unhappy. These are terms for people who don't control their desires. They cause you to go through life looking for ways to appease a need within yourself They are legitimate desires that seek to be appeased in illegitimate ways. This is pornography. This is where this comes from within us. And then there's there's not only desire, but then it becomes something called lust that Jesus is talking about here. Lust is simply uncontrolled desire. Lust is what happens when your desires get pregnant. They go running around. Lust is what happens when our imaginations are coupled with our sexuality. We start to let it run somewhere in our heads. It's not just pornography, but it is a gateway to lust. And, and see, God, God never intended for you to escape where, you at, where you're at today. I don't know if you are single or married or maybe you are older or maybe you are younger, or maybe you have a lot of brokenness and horrible things that you're going through right now. Maybe life's pretty good for you right now. You're like, I don't know why you're bringing me down, Brian. Um, life's pretty awesome. So bring up the band. Let's, let's worship. I don't know where you're at right now, but our tendency is, our tendency is, if, it's, if it doesn't feel good, to just run from it. And see, God never intended for us to escape where we are. He never intended for you to escape your reality. Your reality is where you are at. And anything that causes you to escape your reality is really dangerous. It's really dangerous. Because where you are is where God wants to work in you. Where you are is where the opportunities are for God to grow you and to give you new growth and new peace that you've never experienced before. And so if you just escape it, then you're never going to learn. If you're just running away, you're never going to learn what you need to learn in the season that you're in. But we run to porn, we run to other things to get us out of where we are. Lust is what happens when when our wants go unchecked. I had a friend that, uh, one of his hobbies was to go drive cars. Like at the dealership, do you know that you can just kind of go and test drive cars all the time? Like, it seems like a given, but after you think about it, you're like, this is a great hobby. And so... Like, every weekend, he'd go out with his daughter, and they'd go down to the GM dealership, and they'd pick out, like, the brand new Corvette that just came out, and the guy'd be like, throw him the keys, they knew him by name, I think he, like, had a coffee mug, you know, I mean, they knew him personally at the dealership, and so, this friend of mine, um, every week, total car nut, would just go drive these, these Camaros and Corvettes, and he'd just love running them around, and they'd, they'd keep letting him do it. Over and over again. He just loved it. And then he'd go home and he'd spend hours on the internet searching up these cars, learning every specific thing about the motor and about the drivetrain. And the guy was obsessed about cars, but they would let him continue to do this. Why do they do that? They're, they're salesmen, right? 
They know what's up. They know if you can drive the car enough, at some point you're going to imagine what it's going to be like to own that car. At some point, you're going to envision that car being in your driveway, pulling that car out of your garage, and what life's going to be like. You're going to be a a fuller, more complete human being with this beautiful red Camaro. And so they know that at some point, your wallet's just going to open up because we give our money to the things that we love, right? When you desire something, we're going to give our money to it. And so at some point, your wallet's going to open up and dollars are going to fall from heaven and you're going to give it all to this guy because he's got what you need to feel better about yourself. It's kind of like anybody watch the House Hunter shows, like on HGTV or whatever. They're always, it, it drives us crazy. Amanda and I watch these things. We're like, why would they do this? They've always got this young couple, just got married, just out of college, got a billion dollars of debt. They're like, we need to find a house, you know, and it needs a pool, and it needs to have like 20 acres, and I need a garden, and a greenhouse, and a hot tub, and, and, and it needs to be under $80,000. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I've got some options for you. And so they take them out of the community and they show them this, you know, $1.2 million home and this $1.5 million home. And they're like, it looks good. How much is it? She's like, $1.2 million. And she, you know, by this point, the girl has fallen in love, right? She's like, my couch would go there and my, my little table would go over here and I can see us sit, sitting on the back deck and what life would be like in the back deck and like it just would complete. So here's, here's our life savings. We're going to be in debt until we're 95 years old paying for this house because I have fallen in love. And I'm always like, why would you do that to them? Why would they do that to themselves? They've got to look on the outside and go, this ain't happening. <laughs> there ain't no way. But they, we still, Let's go imagine. Let's go see. Let's go feel what it would be like, you know, to, to be like this. And this is what happens when your imaginations get coupled with your sexuality. It's dangerous. And what was just a desire, because I can want something. I'd love to have a new four-wheeler. Christmas is coming. Church. I... Just write that down. I can give you a list right now of stuff I want. That, that ain't no problem for me. I can come up with stuff that I want. But I have to control that, right? This will be a season where people don't control it. Um, I have to control that or it's going to get bad. And I'm going to be all of those things I said, discontent, unhappy, unfulfilled with what I've got. Whether, it's, whether what you got is single or what you got is married, whatever it is that you got is what you got. It's time to start appreciating what it is that you have. Three kinds of lusters in the world today. Three types of people. This is a progression. The first one is recreational lusters. You're like, what is that? Like with an RV? Are we camping? What are we doing? Recreational lusters. This is the kind of person that it's kind of like a little hobby in the corner. Like that thing that you do on the weekend. Maybe you keep that DVD like in the, in the back corner of all your other DVDs that's got that, you know, one scene, you know, Titanic's in the back corner there somewhere. You know, it's like, I got this one little thing to, I can always go to this. It's got a little, little something, something in that, in that DVD. My wife doesn't know about it. My husband doesn't know about it. Or I got that one magazine hidden somewhere or that one file somewhere in the back corners of my hard drive on my computer, um, that I know I can go to, but I don't, I don't really do anything with it. It's, you know, that's a, that's a gone time. I don't do that anymore. Maybe you, you kind of spark conversations on Facebook or, or Twitter with ex-boyfriends or uh, maybe ex-husbands or people that you used to know back in the day. And you just, they just make you feel good. You know, you just make you bring, brings you back to simpler times, you know, and they really, they really thought you were awesome back then, you know, and you, it just, 
it helps you to feel better about yourself. Maybe you'll get a little pop-up on your screen or an email, you know, or you're searching some of these humor sites that are supposed to be humorous, but they're all about sex, you know, and it's like, oh, there's this stuff, and I, maybe I click occasionally. It's, it's not a big thing. It's not a problem, Brian. I don't know what you're talking about. Because I am a rec- recreational luster. It's not really an issue. Um, the next one is the occupational luster. This is somebody, it starts, this is kind of your job now. It's starting to be the nine to five luster. This is something that happens um, throughout the day. You have this kind of secret thought life. You're starting to imagine life with other people. Maybe you're imagining what it would be like to be with the person on the screen. Maybe you're, you're married and now you, you have ongoing appointments with people of the opposite sex. Um, they, they make you feel better about yourself. They listen to you. Um, they care about your needs. And maybe your, your wife or your husband don't. Maybe you're exploring some new ways uh, to get your fix. You're starting to kind of pop it up on your phone when you're bored. You know, throughout the day it's kind of happening. Uh, maybe you're kind of renting the movies now. You've stepped it up and you're willing to kind of check out that movie at the, at the store. You're on Netflix and uh, you're willing to kind of buy those movies on Netflix and try to erase the history or whatever it is. Maybe, maybe you're starting to explore new things. You're buying the novels, um, you know, and it's just, it's just harmless. You're just, you're just reading a novel. Um, it's, it's not hurting you. The next st- step is obsessional lusters. And, it, and it, it, it's come to a whole nother level. Not only do you have a secret thought life, but now you actually have a secret life. You've got things that you do that you don't want anybody to know that you're doing. Um, What was something that you did at home is now something that you do at work. It's interrupting your work day. You're click, click, clicking around doing your job, then you're click, click, clicking on porn, then you're clicking back to your job. It's it's something that's intersected your life. 20% of men and 13% of women, I read this week, admitted to accessing porn at work. So it's something that's like affecting your job now. Um, You don't go to bed anymore. You just, you wait till the family goes to bed so you can stay up and look at porn. Um, maybe you've visited a, a prostitute or you've had affairs and you've started um, sleeping around a little bit. It's beginning to hurt your family, your self-image. Shane, uh, Chase was talking about how something, he brought it into his house. That quote, he said, I'm poisoning my family. That's pretty hard. That's a hard truth. I'm poisoning, it's hurting my family. My kids are starting to see it. It's affecting my time with my wife. I can see it's coming out of my relationships. It's hurting me now. These three levels of pornography, this is a progression. This is the process of how it works when our wants go unchecked. Our desires that are good desires. Again, last week we learned that sex is good. Sex is good. God gave it to you. Amen for sex. It's, good. it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. So it's not about shutting down the desire. It's about controlling it and redirecting it. The Greek word for sexual immorality, interesting enough, is uh, porneia, which is the root of pornography. So the top lies that I hear about porn are these. Here are the lies. Lie number one, it's not hurting anyone. It's not hurting anyone. Is it hurting them? You're like, well, I'm on the other side of a screen, so it's not really hurting them. Um, I'm not really doing anything to them, but I'm just witnessing this. And I, it's weird. If, if we were all to go look out at these windows and we saw somebody getting in their car and then somebody else in the parking lot was being beaten and kidnapped. And the person that's getting into the car is just like watching this go down. And we're like, we're like, do something, you know? And they just watch the person get chucked into the car. They drive off and the other person kind of just gets in their car and leaves. 
you would go to that person and you would be like, are you kidding me? You are guilty. You have, you've watched this go down. You've witnessed this, this horrible act. Somebody got kidnapped. You could have helped them. You did nothing but watch. We would see them as responsible, as participating in the act. But when it comes to pornography, we feel like we can just watch it go down. And by watching it go down and not doing anything, we aren't guilty. You see the correlation? It's a disconnect. How can we watch somebody, somebody's humanity be degraded and not feel as though we are somehow guilty? As, as though we are somehow participating in them? Because when you realize that that is somebody's mother, somebody's daughter, somebody's wife, somebody's husband, somebody's son, it gets kind of weird <laughs> in a really, really good way. It should be weird should be uncomfortable. When you think about that being your mother, daughter, wife, son, you go, ah, yeah, that's kind of gross. That's what it should be. It should be kind of gross. It should kind of make you uncomfortable. That's that's what it should be. Is Is it hurting you? It's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting me. It feels good. It feels good, so it's good, which is a lie. Uh, things that feel good aren't always good. We know that in other areas of our lives, but in this area, we say, no, it's it's okay. What we don't realize is that when we participate in the degrading of another human being, we actually degrade our own humanity. And over time, what happens is you lose, you lose your sensitivity. Line number two, I could stop if I wanted. I could stop if I wanted. Brian, you are making a way too big of a deal about this. Uh, Steve Hirsch, who's the CEO of Vivid Entertainment, says, Not only does hardcore porn not shock people today, but I think that they want more. Harder and harder and harder and harder. Porn actually triggers a chemical reaction in your brain. You release serotonin and you get all excited and you feel good. It functions like a drug. It causes you to want more. That's just how it works. You guys have heard of adrenaline junkies, right? You need the next big high, the next big excitement. You don't have to take a pill to be addicted to something that your own body creates. It's how pornography works. And And you don't think it's an addiction. Here's the thing. Stop for 30 days. Don't look at any of it for 30 days. You're like, it's not an addiction, but I ain't doing that. Okay. Time to get real with yourself. Time to be honest with yourself. Stop for 30 days. It's my challenge to you. You're like, yeah, it's not a problem. Okay. Try it. A study at University of Pennsylvania that I read said that porn addiction is harder to recover from than cocaine addiction because cocaine can be removed from your system while pornography remains in your mind forever. Worse than, worse than cocaine. This is how big of a deal this is. And you know what's interesting is I got my dealer in my pocket all day long. With cocaine, you take a hit, you got to go find somebody to give you more. This is, it's always with me, right? It's always in my pocket. If I want to access this, any of you, any of us can access it anytime. Dealer's in your pocket, you just got to go talk to him. You got to go to the dealer. Ephesians 4.19 says this, having lost all sensitivity... They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Isn't the Bible amazing? The Bible speaks to everything. It knows you. It stays in your brain. It sticks in your head. I'll tell you this. I remember I was in junior high school. We were staying at the TLF on base. 
And my parents took off, and we just moved to a new location. I'm in the room. I'm sitting on the bed. I click on the TV, and there's HBO in the TLF. At least there was at then. And uh, it's like 7 in the afternoon or 7 in the evening or whatever. And bam, it's like right in the middle of some sex scene on some movie. And I could draw you a picture today. It's been like 20 years. I could draw you a picture. I could paint you a detailed photo of what I saw in that moment. It is that vivid. That's the power of pornography. It's crazy. Ephesians says, having lost all sensitivity. That's how it works. Everybody stick your finger up. This finger, this one. Stick your finger up. And then flick it. Go ahead. Just go flick it. Just flick it with your other finger. Flick the finger. It sounds like rain in here. It's awesome. Flicking the finger. I feel like just kind of... Give it a few seconds. It just goes away. It's weird. It's bizarre. Just, you just keep doing that for a little while. You're not even going to know you're doing it. It just disappears. Slowly, the sensitivity to anything just goes away. And you've seen this in your life if you're married and you've looked at enough of this stuff that you've lost a sensitivity. You've lost an ability to, to appreciate certain things about your partner because you've given yourself to these other things and it, started, it stopped being such a big deal. It was the first time and now you've just lost all sensitivity. The third lie is I'm not supporting it if I don't pay for it. Nine out of ten porn users on the internet only access free material. So all the statistics about how much money's being made on pornography isn't really an accurate attestment to how many people are using it. That's just the money that's being made, not the amount of people that are participating in this. It's huge. It is so big. And if you know anything about the internet, if you know anything about computers, you know that the money is made not all the time by, by, the, by the site. You don't have to put in your credit card. It's made by the advertisements, right? That's how you make money on a website. So they put all the advertisements that you see, and then every time you click, you make a donation, That's just how it works. I could put an advertisement on my blog, and then every time you guys came to my blog, you could make money for me. So I need to do that, because that'd be great. That's how it works. You just, you just show up. Traffic, web traffic. This is, this is how the industry works now. I mean, it's, it's huge to make money by advertisements. And the porn industry, they are smart people devoting their entire lives, their entire careers to making money off of people showing up to free sites. You're like, I'm not supporting it. I'm not paying for it. You are. You're donating with every click, every time you show up. So what's your plan? Here's the question. What is your plan? You guys still with me? You doing okay? What is your plan? Are we going to do anything about this? Um, are we going to make a plan? Because if you don't have a plan not to, you're probably going to. That's just how it works. Anybody have a plan to, to have an affair? Anybody planning? Just make sure your wife's looking the other way. Anybody have a plan for this? Nobody plans for it. It's not like I'm planning to have an affair. I don't, we don't make plans for this, but we don't make plans not to. It's like, I don't have a plan to be addicted to porn, and yet here I am. And the statistics show that most people are. And so, especially in a church, man, you guys, I've been praying about this week for a while. And uh, I was really nervous to talk to you about this because it's such a big issue. And I think even in our church, being a younger congregation, most of our people are in their 20s and 30s. Um, not that this is only a young, young man or young woman's battle, but in general, it's more of a younger person battle. Um, it's bad. It's bad. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very um, pervasive issue in our church. So we have to make a plan. Um, we have to f- 
We have to decide what we're going to do. When Amanda and I were dating, we made a commitment not to have sex until we were married. We made this commitment. Um, I knew it was going to honor her. It was going to honor me. I knew it would be best for us. And so uh, we were hanging out one day, and we're in my apartment. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. We had a long day. We'd kind of run around town together. We'd gone running, which is weird. I'm like, still remember, went running. I hate to run. We went running, so I'm very tired. You know, your defenses are down. Got a movie on. Sitting on the couch. My roommate's gone. And we just kind of start kissing. We start cuddling. It's getting hotter and hotter in there. And I had this moment that I snapped out of it. I was like, what am I doing, you know? And I believe that was God's grace on me in that moment. That God was like, just that, I only had a second, you know. I had a moment to make a decision. Because everybody knows if you just go with it, you're going to go with it. You're going to go a long ways. You don't just go with what feels good. But we're like, well, you know, it just, it was good. So I pick her up, you know, like to carry her through the threshold kind of. I pick her up and she's smiling at me. So I'm not sure she knew what was going to go on here. Because I'm like, I'm like picking her up. And so it's like February in Wyoming. I walk to the door, I open the door, and I toss her in a snowbank. <laughs> and you have never seen a little five foot two girl so angry. She was ticked off. I mean, just mad. Totally ruined the mood. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's perfect. I think she actually went home. She was like, I am, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm going home. And um, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, you know, later she will tell you that she, uh, she respects me for that. She will tell you that she is grateful for me to throw her in a snowbank, that I would care enough for her for that. And I don't tell you that story to say that I'm pure and I'm perfect because I'm not. Spend five minutes with me. I'll tell you plenty of stuff. Um, but that's one area that we made a choice. And um, I know that some of you haven't made that choice or you've already broken that promise and you have a choice to make today. Every day you make choices about what you're going to do and every day it matters. My plan was, it wasn't necessarily to throw her in the snowbank, but it was to, it was to honor that moment that I am snapped out of my desire. So it begins with your mind. It really begins with that thought. That moment where you, get, where you go, I have a choice to make right now. It starts with the thought. You can't eliminate sexual thoughts, but you can illuminate them. You can't eliminate them, but you can illuminate them. This is the beauty of the Holy Spirit's work inside of the believer. You can illuminate them. They can pop into your mind. Thought suppression doesn't work. If people are like, hey, just don't think about it. You're like, I got this desire. I don't know what to do with it. Well, you have to do something with it. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is my charge to you, taking every thought captive. He talks about that. What does that actually look like? I think it looks like that moment. And you actually have to retrace your neural pathways. You have to retrain your brain. 
Because at this point in your life, if you've given yourself and given your heart to a lot of different people or to pornography or to other things, your brain is now trained to respond that way. And the more you do it, the more natural it is. And so you have to actually retrain your brain. And I think in those moments of obedience where, where that moment with me and Amanda, it was, I feel like that was a defining moment for us. And from then on, I will tell you, I actually had an easier time of honoring our commitment. Because I had, I had in, in the moment where it, it was hardest, I made a choice. And I feel like not only does that retrain my, my, my brain, but God honors that. And he's like, okay, you're serious about this. Because a lot of us say, I want freedom, but you just keep doing what you're doing. You don't change anything about your life. We have to capture our thoughts. And I want to see you free from this. I want to see you free from lust. I don't want to see you controlled by anything. I want to see you controlled by God if it's going to be anything. And Jesus, he comes in and he says, I want you to be free. He says, I die on the cross. I give myself for you. And here's the deal. We make porn the big issue. It becomes that thing in our lives that defines us. Jesus says, I want, I want you to have freedom from porn, but more than anything, what I want you to have is freedom from sin. It's the bigger issue. It's just sin in our lives. Here's some things to do. Just practical. Let's just get real for a minute. Confession and repentance. Just go before God and be honest. Maybe you've stopped because you're so sick of saying, I screwed this up. Make it your habit. It's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to kind of stink. You're supposed to kind of hate doing it because it, it hurts when you do the wrong thing. Confession and repentance. Maybe you need to go on a computer fast. Just get rid of it. Get rid of your computer. And you're like, well, dude, I work on my computer. Well, put some filtering software on your computer at work and then get rid of the one at home. Maybe all your electronic devices after 8 p.m. go into a basket on the kitchen counter. And you put like a alarm on that thing or something, you know? Like maybe this is just a practical way. If you're serious about this, this is what I'm telling you. If you're serious about it, you're going to do something about it. If you're like, yeah, I really want to get better, but man, I just love having my phone, you know, you just, you got to decide and be honest with yourself whether you want it or not. Take some steps. I, I plead with you guys, take some steps. Maybe it's time for a flip phone. Remember those? Remember the bag phone? My dad gave me, my first phone was this bag with like a handle and a big coily cord, you know, and this like antenna, you pop on the hood of your car, you know, and a big bag phone. Brent, Brent's got a flip phone. I love Brent. He's like the only man I know with a flip. You got it? Hold that sucker up. Look at that. Nice job, Brent. Man, you try to access porn on that and you will be 80 years old by the time it comes up. It's a beautiful thing. The internet is very slow on a, on a flip phone. But what's better, huh? What's better, the convenience of your iPhone or the eternity of your soul? You know? What's more important to you? Download Safe Eyes or X3 Watch. TripleXChurch.com uh, is a great resource. Um, they've been up here before, spoken to us. Um, they've got over a million people using their software. It's just crazy good software. Friday night, right here in this room, they have Celebrate Recovery, and they talk about sexual addiction. And any Friday night, if you show up here at 7 o'clock, somebody will walk you through this. They will help you find answers, get you into the right place, and you'll be surrounded by men. You don't even have to say a word. You don't have to say anything about it. You can just sit and listen. If you want to, you can speak. Come on Friday night to that. Create a partnership with a friend. The term in the church has been accountability 
which kind of sometimes turns into, did you screw it up? No. Did you? No. Okay. Let's go do something else now. Um, a partnership is where you're really caring for each other. You're really praying for each other. You're spending time with each other, and you are doing things to help each other. I want to close with this. Porn is a symptom of our sickness. Our sickness is sin. We have this desire in our hearts to rebel against God. We know it's there. And porn is a symptom of that. Before we can retrain our minds, what we need to do is retrain our hearts. We're focused so much on the porn. Where is your heart? Do you love Jesus? Are you grateful for what he has saved you from? The gospel is this, that that he has saved you from your sins, that you have been re-identified with Christ, that he has washed all of that away, and now your new identity is in him and him alone. Ephesians 2.10 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and not this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You guys know this verse. You can't lose it because you never earned it. God wants to give you salvation. He wants to impute his righteousness upon you. And all you have to do is receive that. That's good news. God created these good works for us. This is really where we need to focus our energy. Is what? Not only are you going to stop using porn, but what are you going to do with that energy? Like we said, you can't just shut it down. You can't just stop the desire. The desire is there. See, people don't watch porn because it satisfies them. They watch porn because they haven't found anything better. You need to find something better. There are better things. Use that energy. Go running, even if you hate it. Go spend some time with your kids and with your wife. Go serve a friend of yours. Go volunteer at the soup kitchen. Volunteer at the church. Come be around believers that love Jesus. Do something with that energy. I see a church that blows the statistics out of the water. I see a community of marriages that aren't perfect but have worked through the process of forgiveness in this area. I see single people who are, aren't just about temporary satisfaction, but they're about an eternal glory found in Christ. I see people who know their value as image bearers of Jesus. This is, this is all of what God promises. I see the kingdom of God in Eagle River in, in ACF Church. And I think that we can walk into this today. And it's going to take some work. Like the best things in your life, the best freedom you've ever experienced, it's going to take some work. It's going to hurt sometimes. But it starts with this truth, that Jesus is better than porn. Let me pray for us today. God, we love you. We're grateful for grace. God, and I know there's those in this room that just want nothing more than freedom. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your peace. I ask that you would work in our hearts today, God, and Allow us to see that you can work through this, that we can have freedom, that you have paid the price, God. We are already redefined by Jesus. Allow us to walk into that knowledge. I pray for the conversations as people leave this place today, God, that there be honesty and forgiveness and repentance. God, that there'd be a foundation of grace. God, you have saved us all from so much. We just love you. We're grateful for Jesus. We pray it in your name.